So I'm really optimistic that this awareness of scientists working for the greater good is finally going to spill over a little bit into agriculture. Welcome to Startupville, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and a startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm Mike Wolsfeld, our host is Dan Gold, and in line with our episode last week with Jordan Duchak, we're having conversations with tech leaders in our community about how they're working through the current global economic crisis and the larger implications on their sectors. Today, we talked with Karen Churchill, Bev Stanglin, and Brad Fly of AgWest Bio to talk about how the COVID crisis has impacted the bioscience and agri-food sectors and how investment in bioscience and agri-value over the decades has helped build a resilient food supply chain that has been largely unaffected by all this. Welcome to Startup Call. Stay home, stay safe, and stay connected. Hello and welcome to Startupville. Whether you are watching this via our YouTube channel, via the website, or you are listening to this as a podcast, I thank you for hitting play. Today with me, I have uh, three very uh, important people in my mind from AgWest Bio. Um, uh, Karen, Bev, and Brad, thank you for joining me here on Startupville. Well, thank you for having us. Our pleasure. Uh, starting from the beginning, uh, one at a time for people who don't know who you are, um, let's do a, a little bit of an introduction. Bev, maybe I could start with you. Hi, I'm Bev Stanglin and I'm Manager of Industry Development at AgWest Bio. Karen? Um, I'm Karen Churchill. I am the President and CEO of AgWest Bio for the past five months. And Brad. Uh, Brad Bly, Director of Commercialization with AgWest. So these are strange and challenging times. Um, where where are we in in a kind of a state of a sector in in the bioscience and the agri food world? Uh, where where are we where are we seeing opportunities? Well, I think if you talk about the state of the tech sector and egg food, we're faring you know, remarkably good considering that not everyone can say the same, but food being an essential service and providing food is always in high demand. That means that, you know, people have to find innovative, innovative ways to deliver food and provide technology that we need to deliver food. And so it's not been maybe as big of a struggle for agri-food to carry on as much as other industries. Of course, they have some same challenges. We face some of the same challenges as other industries in that transportation and labor are now our two bottlenecks that we need to overcome and find innovative solutions. And of course, social distancing is people can't shop. So those are where some of the opportunities are. But because people need food, people need to eat, you, um, we find that this sector is not faring terribly. So the the situation is very much with a lot of tech companies they are virtual businesses they are physically distanced from each other in their nature of of what they are and who they are but a lot of this sector seems to have a lot of physical connectivity with with transportation with with working together in in the same geographic area you you touched on it um do you think that this industry is in a in a in the same position as a lot of other people 
in the world at the moment, or are we in a slightly better position? I think, in a way, research is struggling more. So, so it may be policies that close their laboratories completely because they can't find solutions to social distancing, um, or else one of the biggest ones that we're concerned about is the fact that we need to get research plots into the ground this spring. And how do you do that with um, and still comply with social distancing when a lot of that plot work is very close work? You might have you know two men that are on a little cedar. So how do you manage and how do you find solutions for that? And I think one of the other things that people maybe don't realize that when you have to slow down or stop your research initiatives is that it has this huge knock-on effect. So you can't get your crops in the ground or you're or you're reducing your cap capacity. That means you're going to be hiring fewer summer students. And those summer students rely on those jobs to pay their tuition going forward. And if you don't have a crop in the ground, that means that the technicians that you normally hire through the winter to analyze that crop no longer have a job. And I think one of the things I've noticed is how dedicated these leading scientists are and their funding agencies to try and find solutions. I mean, because they recognize that this is a whole chain of, that's going to be affected. So they're doing all they can to adjust their research programs because they understand it has an impact on their staff and their families and of course the students. So I have to admit that I am particularly concerned about Canada losing its place in the research world just due to these circumstances. And I hope that we can find a way to get as, as much research done as possible. Uh, that that kind of brings me on to a, onto a follow-up question, which uh, I don't want to speak out of turn. Um, but just on that, do you think that there is uh, um, a case that we may be disadvantaged more than other geographies or we're all pretty much in the same boat regardless of where you are in the world? I think it's too soon to say whether we're behind on this one or not. And unfortunately, hindsight is twenty twenty. But I do know, again, going back to the dedication of those researchers who are trying to make it happen, I think in the next few weeks will be the turning point on how well we can cope and how well, what sort of solutions we find. Uh, maybe I can open this out a little bit wider. Um, uh, maybe, uh, Bev, if you've got any suggestions on how other companies in the sector are being affected? Well, I think there's opportunities and there's challenges for, you know, if we, if we think of the value-added agri-food um, companies, uh, the opportunities are that, that the demand is still there for food, for healthy foods and healthy ingredients. Um, sometimes the companies, though, are, and Karen mentioned some of this, they're facing some, some issues around um, labour, um, they need to manage their staff and make sure that they're, they're feeling safe and they're not worried or anxious. Sometimes when you're in a processing plant, there's no choice but to work close together. And so you've got to make sure that you've got enough protective equipment to, to keep people safe. You've also, you know, if you're going full out and then you've also got to take the time to do the extra cleaning, the extra sanitizing um, and, and, you know, just extra things that, that the companies didn't have to do before. And then um, I know when I do some online shopping, I know sometimes the deliveries are slow. Um, so companies are trying to manage some of that. So, so there's lots of pressure on, on the little companies. I think the opportunities are that, that people want their food, they want local food, um, they want healthy food. And so that's, that's a great opportunity. 
Bev, if I could just ask a follow-up question on that. You're talking of the social distancing between people working in food production facilities. Um, uh, as I understand it, there's no risk to the food products themselves from COVID-19. That's entirely correct. We have one of the safest food systems in Canada, in the whole world. And so the food is perfectly safe. Um, by protecting, I want to just ensure people working together in a processing factory or, or something so that they're protected in there and they're safe um, from spreading anything to each other. Uh, and what you mentioned there was very much there's got to be a process and procedural change to ensure that people are safe. Um, when it comes to the tolerance in in uh, in those companies of which we have relationships or of those that which we we know of, um, what the level what is the level of resilience that you believe is there? Well, I mean, I think Saskatchewan is amazing. The people in Saskatchewan are amazing for the resiliency. And so I, I see these companies coming through, you know, um, really well. I, I believe they need some support now and they're going to need some help. Um, but I, I believe they're going to come through it very well. Brad, maybe I could ask you this. We hear all kinds of predictions on how the economy will be affected and how long it will take for things to stabilize after this pandemic. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Um, well, a few things. So as far as how you know resilient other companies being we, we have to remember the entrepreneurs in, in saskatchewan like many entrepreneurs they're they're uh, very optimistic that's just by the nature of being an entrepreneur they're optimistic and so what we encourage people to do at agwest bio is is when you're gathering information and you're making decisions is is make sure you're gathering a, a full set of information and basing your decisions on a full set of information. And it's difficult at this time right now because there's a, there's a lot of information that's out and it's some of the information is, is, is doesn't agree with different information and it's contradictory. And so the, the uh, companies are having difficulty making decisions right now. And so we're, we're talking to the companies as much as we can and keeping in touch with the companies and helping them um, gather information. That's part of our role at Ag West Bio. Do you think, uh, and let me, you know, this is an opinion. You can tell me whether I'm I'm right on this or, or completely on the wrong side of this, and please do be frank with me. Do you think that there have been um, helpful messages across social media and messages that also potentially hinder the marketplace, which are potentially fear-based rather than people looking at, okay, what can we do? What are the opportunities for a marketplace? Yeah, I mean this. Yeah, it gets back to gathering information, and and companies and, and and consumers alike should be gathering information from all sources, and I would include social media as as one of those sources, but just one. I would include the news media as one of those sources, and and certainly at, at the top of the list, we'd include scientists and and incredible scientists as at the top of the list of where people should be gathering their information from. And it's, you know, it's interesting at a time like this, a lot of people, when they're making decisions, it's, it's hard not to make decisions based on your emotions and, and based on your ideals and your background and, and I guess your, your psychological makeup, for, for lack of a better term. And, you know, my, my background training is an economist. And so part of our role at AgWest Bio is, is stressing gathering the information and being objective in gathering the information. 
and gathering information that, that's gonna allow you to make an informed decision. And that's part of our role at AgWest Bio is trying to help companies and consumers and, and members of AgWest Bio uh, find that information, have links to those resources where they can get that information to make those informed decisions and, and not let uh, your emotions and not let one source that has maybe a, a certain bent on, on a story that they're trying to get across or another source that might have a, a different aspect, uh, don't let that cloud you, your judgment in making a decision. Just be objective, remove emotion, and just try to gather as much well-rounded information as possible. And it's difficult for companies. It's, it's very difficult. We, companies that we've talked to on one end of the spectrum are are we, we need to plan for a, a, a permanent change in the way things are going to be. And then companies on the other end of the spectrum that we've talked to are saying, this is going to pass. There's some small measures that we have to put in place, but this is going to pass. And it's hard for them not to, you know, their own psychologically and the way they, their outlook on being either positive or negative affect that. So it's important to gather information. So we know that information leads to, or good information, and sourcing and confirming the source of that information is important. One of the things that I'm reading, if I look at uh, mainstream media, if we look at it in that sense, the information going to the public from news channels, from uh, newspapers, not specialist publications, uh, but from journalists who don't necessarily have uh, experience or skin in the game or a history of understanding bioscience and agri-food the conversation seems to have changed when it comes to food security in general and maybe this is just something that's brought it to the fore do you think that this is a time to take the opportunity to communicate with clarity uh, the importance of uh, bioscience and the research and the work that is done to feed the world yes i um we were talking about this last week when we talked to mike originally uh, leading up to this call about um the situation that we're now in and, and thank goodness for the you know the last 30 years the the biological think of it as a the third agricultural revolution the biological revolution that where we have uh, the the Crop yields have increased thanks to uh, advances in science and advances in advancements in breeding and, and microbial, natural microbial solutions that have come about in the last 30 years. And 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 let's not take this for granted that that over the last 30 years this this increase in, in resilience of our crops and and with their ability to withstand disease and with withstand stresses from the environment and and the ability to produce more crop and higher yield and more protein per acre per hectare. Let's not take this for granted. This is a result of the, the third agricultural revolution, the biological revolution and, and the biotech revolution. And so it's, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to highlight that. And as Karen mentioned earlier in, in the call is, is you know, thank, thank goodness that, that food and, and the value chain, the agricultural value chain has been recognized as an essential service. And right from the get-go, there was never even a question of it, recognizing it as an essential service. Obviously, people have to eat, and obviously we have to keep that chain moving because, as Karen mentioned, there's a lag in that chain. You have to lay a foundation now for the food that's going to be produced six, seven, eight, nine months, or even 
if you if you include the logistics of getting it to the people a year in advance. And so it's it's I think it's a, an incredible opportunity for us to highlight that. There's a there's an interesting area for me, and it comes from a place of trust. Every year there is a global trust index, and and from what I'm understanding, this crisis may lead to pushing the needle towards an increased trust of already uh, trusted scientists. Um, if that is truly the case, and the trend continues after return to you know, what the new normal is. Could this have an impact on science-based industries like biotech moving forwards? Uh, Karen, what are your thoughts? You know, I am hugely optimistic. I guess I should share that small company mentality. Um, but this is a time where we're seeing science step up to the plate and really it's putting science in a positive light that we're just fighting for solutions. And of course, one of the best examples is Vito right here in Saskatoon, where they are working around the clock to find a solution. And that's been recognized in increased funding. And people are seeing how they found these solutions, even to not just finding a vaccine, but to um, sanitizing masks. And that they've always had this technology and we've had this science group working that we were unaware of and now now we're more aware of it um i think one of the challenges of course with public trust in sciences is we've always had this division where we're willing to accept using the latest and greatest technology when it comes to medicine but we throw up our hands and say but not for food you know, and Brad mentioned how much progress we've made with food and increasing, you know, if we can make a plant that uses 10% less water, that is super relevant, especially in an era where there may be climate change or we're trying to feed, you know, populations that can't produce enough food. So I'm really optimistic now, though, that this awareness of scientists working for the greater good is finally going to spill over a little bit into agriculture and people will be more comfortable with realizing that we aren't the mad scientists in white coats. We're really actually working for the better good. On that, and we're talking about this issue with the greater good, and just if you could satisfy a curiosity in me, how has this brought to the fore the importance of continued collaboration um, we're seeing like unprecedented collaboration and you notice it particularly with the development of a vaccine where globally people are working together in a pre-competitive manner to try and solve this problem. And I think that we have a similar, um, a similar issue happening with agriculture as well in that we have organizations that are working together and they're using the strengths of each region. So Saskatchewan has a lot of strengths in, you know, being a, a major global producer of cereal crops. So we're building on the strengths to find solutions. And maybe if I could bring that to you, Brad, is there the potential on the upside of this that we see um, as a result of the collaboration, as a result of working close together, a better opportunity for commercialization? Yeah, I mean, one of the, the silver linings of, of coming out of this is right across Canada, the stakeholders, both public and private, are, are, are getting together and, and even collaborating with communication now. We're, 
we're having meetings with our counterparts right across Canada and, and, and others are, are as well. And so um, from a collaboration standpoint, um, if you look at the, you know, the silver lining, uh, there, there is going to be benefits coming out of this. Um, we, we've already indicated that there's, there's, there's been a, a recognition of, of food um, in, in the, in, as part of it as an essential service and as, as part of something that, that we need and we, 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 can't, we can't stop and make sure that that continues. Um, so part and parcel with that is, is the R&D that, that's going to come, the, the recognition of the R&D that's necessary to, to bring new food technologies, uh, new solutions to market. Um, this is only, in, in our opinion, going to shine a, a brighter spotlight on that. Um, and so, it, you know, if there is a silver lining, that when, when we're through with this, it's going to continue on as, as being an important emphasis. Bev, maybe if I could, I could ask a, a question of you. Um, what do you see when you're having communications or conversations with people, I was going to say down the hallway, but clearly they're not currently down the hallway, you're in your kitchen, um, but but with people who you normally interact with, what are the... What are the um, uh, positive sides? What are the opportunities that people are seeing? What are the things that they maybe haven't considered before that they're now going, okay, now we can look at this area or that area, or maybe we could finally put this on the table as a thing that we can, you know, focus on? That's an interesting question. I'm not sure I have a really good answer for that. I think that that's something that will come. I think we're pretty early stage in, in this whole this whole situation that's new to all of us. And I think that's something, um, AgWest, Egg you know, does a lot of uh, analyzing what's going on out there and trying to bring information to our companies and to our members. And so I think that's something that we're really looking at. We're, we're meeting as a group, you know, internally and trying to see what are those opportunities, what, what are the changes. Um, I, I honestly don't have those answers yet. I, I think it would be too early to say, you know, what will happen. But in itself, that's a really great uh, point of hope in that we are in the midst of where we're at at this moment in time. But there, there is that opportunity that something may become may, very positive maybe and will be uh, coming out of this as, as opportunities and collaboration and uh, the members look at the, you know a side of this that maybe hasn't been considered before so uh, I, that is actually a really really good answer um, uh, time is uh, beating us on this one if people wanted to find out more information um, about AgWest Bio Karen where could they get that information? Oh, the best place to start is at our website, which is agwest.sk.ca, and you can find everything you need to know or who you need to talk to from there. Karen, Bev, and Brad, thank you so much for joining us here on Startupville. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place, helping grow the tech sector in Saskatchewan, Canada, and is produced in partnership with Martin Charlton Communications at WeTellYourStories.ca. The show is produced by me, Mike Wolsfeld, and our host, Dan Gold. Our theme music is from GG Riggs and Reactor Productions. Learn more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com slash startupville. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Startupville Pod. See you next time on Startupville.